0: October, everyone, and welcome
1: back. This is Sam. And this is Kareen, and we are two OncDocs, and this week's episode, we will be finishing our breast cancer series and discussing metastatic breast cancer. We're going to discuss all the important details and systemic therapy, and we know that this is an incurable condition, but survival is improving with all our new treatments, and so it's really important to assess patients' goals. We know that we can prolong survival. We also want to control symptoms. We want to minimize toxicity from therapy and make sure that patients can maintain the best quality of life possible. And so always consider a patient's goals and preferences and know when transitioning to best supportive care is appropriate. And there are a lot of new drugs coming out. They may not be reflected on boards for a few years, but we'll be touching on a few of those as well.
0: You hit it on the head when we need to be focusing on patients' goals and preferences. Um, So I think that's extremely important when we're talking about metastatic breast cancer, and then also just touching base with patients periodically because people's goals and preferences do change as they get further along in their cancer care. And so to start us off, what is the preferred approach for treating metastatic ERPR positive breast cancer? So in
1: the first line setting for ERPR positive, we have aromatase inhibitors or fulvestrin with a CDK4-6 inhibitor, or you can combine fulvestrin with an aromatase inhibitor. And remember that aromatase inhibitors are anastrozole, XMS stain, or letrozole. And our CDK4-6 inhibitors, which we're talking about for the first time, I believe are ribocyclib, palbocyclib and abemocyclib. And for women that are premenopausal, we also need to add ovarian suppression.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when I think about the CDK4-6 inhibitors, I often think about their toxicities. All of them can give you cytopenia. So we need to be watching CBCs, looking at the ANCs. Um, this actually is the biggest culprit for palbociclib; It is notorious for causing neutropenia. So that is that pathognomonic, which one's going to cause the worst neutropenia, Palbociclib. With abemocyclob, I think of ABE or your abs. So I think of the GI tract. So this is a drug that the toxicities are nausea, diarrhea, and this is something that you need to be aggressive about giving them anti-diarrhea medicines and telling them about it so they're aware. Um, with abemocyclob, you do get good CNS penetration. Um, you get less neutrophilia compared to So, And the other thing is, is how you give abemocyclob is it's continuous um, versus palbociclib and ribocyclob. You do two weeks on, um, one week off. And then the last drug that we talked about is ribocyclob. I think of rib ribs, R-I-B, so the first three letters. And in our rib cage is our heart. So this, our toxicity is the QTC. And so you need to get EKGs at baseline for these patients. Also in our chest and our ribs is our lungs. And so you can get pneumonitis. And so those are my little ways of how I remember the toxicity for cdk 46 inhibitors. And so moving on, what are our second line options for metastatic ERP or positive breast cancer?
1: We're going to be testing for a mutation called pick 3 ca And if a patient is found to have that mutation, you can give Alpel- Apelosib with fulvestrant. And remember that some toxicities of alpelosib are rash and it can also cause hyperglycemia. And so it is contraindicated in patients with poorly controlled diabetes. Other options for second line ERPR positive include examestane with everolimus And big toxicity of those is stomatitis. They often need to be on a four times a day mouthwash. And then if you did not use it in the first line setting, you can give fulvestrin with the CDK4-6. Um, you can also consider tamoxifen, and there may also be chemotherapy considerations, which can include eribulin, doxorubicin, and then you also need to make sure that you calculate the cumulative dose of doxorubicin and to consider dexrazoxane to decrease cardiac toxicity if somebody has a cumulative dose of doxorubicin more than 300 milligrams per meter squared
0: in their lifetime. Yep. And so our next category that we're going to talk about in metastatic breast cancer are the people who are found to be HER2 positive. And so how do we change the game for systemic therapies if there's a HER2 positivity?
1: So in the first line setting, our preferred options are either DHP or THP. And so DHP is docetaxel with that pertuzumab, trastuzumab, and THP is paclitaxel with bertuzumab, trastuzumab. In the second line setting, we have two options. We have our TDM1, which you may remember was used in the localized setting if you have residual disease. And one of the side effects of TDM1 is it can has liver toxicity. And then the other option, which has moved up to the second line setting, is trastuzumab deruxtecan which is an antibody drug conjugate to top isomerase one. And main toxicities to remember for this one are interstitial lung disease and neutropenia. And if you do have a case of interstitial lung disease, the treatment is steroids. And then in the third line setting for HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer, there is no clear winner, but there are options. And those will be given based on the patient preferences and toxicities. And so those include Tucatinib with trastuzumab and capecitabine, trastuzumab with lipatinib, margituximab with chemotherapy, or neratinib with capecitabine. And for that neratinib capecitabine combo,
0: very high rate of diarrhea, and you need to give loperamide with that regimen. Definitely. So I think the big takeaway for this section is first line THP or DHP. So a taxol, pertuzumab, trastuzumab. And then after that, TDM1, I think is huge or trastuzumab, can't. After that, it's that chess game. So if they give you a very long vignette, start writing down what they've been on to you know see what people can still try. Um, and so finally, for our triple negative metastatic breast cancer population, what is our preferred treatment?
1: So in general, we're going to consider single agent chemotherapy for patients with metastatic triple negative breast cancer. And so those include taxanes like paclitaxel, docetaxel, or anthracyclines like doxorobacin alone. In some cases of visceral crisis, we may consider doublet chemotherapy. We also test for germline BRCA. And if there is a BRCA1 or 2 mutation, we can consider PARP inhibitors in this setting, which are olaparib or talazoparib. And we also check for PDL one in these triple negative breast cancer cases. And if someone is considered to be PDL one positive, they can either be given chemotherapy with pembrolizumab or napaclitaxel with atezolizumab. And some other regimens are sassituzumab govotican, which is an anti topo 2 monoclonal antibody. And remember, key side effects with sassituzumab are neutropenia, fatigue, and diarrhea. And finally, if you have an NTRAC mutation in any kind of cancer, be thinking of larotrectinib or entrectinib. But again, these happen rarely in breast cancer.
0: Yeah. I think n is, it happens really in all solid tumors, but it's that needle in a haystack. If you don't look for it, you don't see it. Um, and it is a targetable mutation. So always check for NTRKs in solid tumors because you do have drugs to target it. And so are there any other regimens to note um, that we should be talking about right now?
1: Yes. So I don't think this will be Tested on the upcoming boards and probably not reflected for a few years. But at the last ASCO, there was a groundbreaking study, Destiny 04, which discussed a new category of HER2 low metastatic breast cancer patients. And there is now a category one approval per the NCCN for those that have an IHC one plus or two plus with a negative FISH. And again, don't think this will be reflected on the boards, but remember that you can be giving trastuzumab and rexacan for this new category of HER2 low patients.
0: Definitely. This was groundbreaking. Um, and so lastly, what is the role for bone protective agents in metastatic breast cancer?
1: So for those with bone disease, we need to be considering bisphosphonates like zoledronic acid or pamidronate, or you can also consider um, denosumab.
0: Awesome. This was a great overview of how we treat metastatic breast cancer. We hit all the key points. You definitely hit all of the drugs and the toxicities. Um, and so what are our key takeaways? Always look at receptor status to determine how you're going to best answer a vignette.
1: For the ERPR positive, you can do an aromatase inhibitor or fulvestrant with a CDK4-6 inhibitor in the first line setting. In the second line setting, remember to check for that PIK3CA mutation. In our HER2-positive patients, first-line THP or DHP, second-line TDM1 or trastuzumab deruxtecan, and for our triple-negative patients, the options include chemotherapy, we also need to check for BRCA. And track and PDL1. And so, if they are BRCA positive, you can do a PARP inhibitor like Olaparib or talazoparib, And then, if they are PDL1 positive, we can consider the addition of immunotherapy with our chemotherapy regimen and make sure to remember key toxicities for all of these regimens. And really important to treat symptoms and recognize emergencies in metastatic breast cancer, such as cord compression, imminent fracture, or hypercalcemia.
0: So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and tuning into our weekly episodes. Good luck with your board studying these past three episodes on breast cancer. I can't stress it enough. Listen to them on repeat over and over again, leading right up into your boards, even on your drive into your boards. Um, and so feel free to reach out to us with corrections, comments. And if there's any topics you guys want us to cover on future episodes, our Instagram and our Twitter is dot. Anc. Docs. Have a great week.
1: I'll see you next week.